Hi, I'm Dmitro Shvets, your host at the Start Global Insights, where I interview local experts in different countries about local insights and international expansion experience. My guest today is Christopher Cole, a senior vice president for EMEA at LeanIX, a software company that offers software as a service for enterprise architecture. The company sells in many countries around the world, with 40% share of sales in the US. But today we will focus on the German market, where Chris has many years of sales experience. Hi, Christopher. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dimitrio. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on this podcast. How should I name you, Chris or Christopher? Yeah, Chris is fine. I think only my dad uh, uh, used to call me Christopher when he was mad, so Chris is perfectly fine. <laughs> Good. And, and your name sounds not very German. I, I suppose you are not from Germany initially. And, and you're absolutely right. Uh, I probably would say I'm quite Germanized by now, but uh, I was born in the US. Um, I grew up in Latin America, spent so many years in Peru, Bolivia, Venezuela, and also uh, during my professional life, uh, spent years in the UK, Middle East, in Dubai to be precise, but now reside in the beautiful uh, Munich, you know, south of Germany. Great. So you have a lot of international experience in your life. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Chris, could you tell us a bit the story of LeanIX? What does it do? Sure. Uh, in a nutshell, LeanIX is a German global tech company and it was founded 10 years ago. So we uh, are just celebrating our 10 years anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, in 2020, when I joined, we had uh, roughly six, uh, 363 customers under contract and we will surpass the 900 customer mark by end of this year. So quite a significant growth. Enterprise and mid-market customers across now um, over 25 countries, as a matter of fact, and growing are part of our customer portfolio. And uh, we like to say we are the Google Maps for the IT landscape of an organization. So we support an organization to become an overview of their IT landscape. So an organization that we would typically address would have hundreds, if not thousands of applications, and that's where we help to get insight and an overview. And that is where that analogy comes from. Just as you get an overview with Google Maps on cities, streets, and traffics, we would provide an overview on software as a services, systems, business applications like SAP, Salesforce, but also the interfaces and data flows between those systems. Sounds really impressive. And uh, I think that uh, to sell uh, this uh, unique solution is also quite a challenge. Uh, uh, when you are selling that, uh, who is your main role in the client? Uh, what is the position of the person that you are selling to? So typically, it really depends on uh, which which a part or module of our portfolio, but uh, it would be the CIO, CTO, down to the enterprise architect uh, within an organization. In my experience, uh, to reach uh, this type of decision makers in Germany is quite a challenge, especially in a cold call way. Uh, how do you do it? How do you build your sales uh, in, in Germany? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not an easy task, obviously. And, and to be honest, we, we ourselves are still maturing in the process to really get as high as possible in, into an organization. We sell to a, a variety of stakeholders in an organization. Uh, obviously, the EA, Enterprise Architect, being the primarily the, the contact. But if you look at the entire buying center, 
and an external buying center is often uh, often a shadow buying center. You're suddenly, you know, dependent on having to deal with an influence map that has 20 or more people if necessary. So uh, it will be different roles in the organization. Uh, it would be the user, decision maker, the influencer, the one who initiated that process. So it's it's actually quite complex. And in enterprise, um, where we typically uh, operate, it's it's quite hard to actually get access to the CIO or even CEO. Uh, it becomes much more likely if you go down to mid-market and you will find that uh, those roles uh, or that part of the hierarchy um, eventually is uh, part of the decision-making. So you start with uh, lower positions and then climb up to, to the higher? It's, uh, it, it, it differs, really. I mean, um, we, we tend to do both. Um, obviously, we have quite good connections on sea level as well and try to do it bottom down. But equally, it is important that uh, we address um, the user or the initiator of that project. And that could be the, the enterprise architect or head off. If we know the C-level, uh, the CIO through our network, whether that be our CEO or executives in our organization, obviously it becomes a little bit easier uh, as opposed to having to work your way up um, during the sales process. But uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, you have to go wide in an organization and you have to go high in an organization if you really want to uh, increase your chances of converting an opportunity into a, a one deal. Okay. And as far as I understand, you are selling not only to Germany, yeah? Yeah, uh, you're absolutely correct. Uh, uh, as I said, I'm responsible for the EMEA market and rest of world. So I'm very well aware uh, of what it actually means to tap into a new market and, and having to, you know, deal with the very own specifics of, of that territory. Okay. And, and taking that into account, uh, how would you describe uh, the difference uh, between the German business culture and the rest of Europe? What would be the main uh, characteristics of German business culture? First, probably many of you have heard of the, the different uh, stereotypes that there might be uh, uh, when, when dealing with Germans. And uh, to some extent, you know, that they are true. You have to obviously pay interest to the fact that uh, there are differences. And one thing that I always like to say is that um, there are relationship-oriented cultures where uh, the quality of the relationship is really important, uh, where salespeople seek for common interests between the vendor and the company. They care for the maintenance of the relationship. And then there's Germany, right? And they're not relationship-driven. They're more like a task-oriented uh, culture where sort of sympathy is uh, uh, nice to have. More important is, you know, being... Uh, reliable, accountable, and more important is the fact that you have a great product and that the quality of the product is uh, is right. You're probably also familiar with the Germans being uh, punctual and the, the, the whole punctual thing comes from them, you know, being very uh, sticky to a topic. They really want to uh, conduct a meeting with a specific agenda. They are really good in planning, setting milestones and, and sticking to those milestones. So there is uh, quite a bit of, of, of differences when, when navigating um, the different territories and especially Germany in this case. But honestly, there's no really black and white. And I don't really want to say relationship building is not important to to Germans at, at all. I think the contrary is 
is the case. And I've really made uh, some, some quite good experience. Let's not forget that, especially in our segment, enterprise sales, you deal with your contacts over a course of six to nine months. And it's also only the beginning of probably a much larger relationship that will last for, for years. So the way you actually conduct yourself towards the customer will make a difference. They, they will pay attention to, hey, is that a person that I will, once I have bought the software, would want to spend time implementing the solution and running that solution? So yes, it's very data-driven, uh, milestone-driven, but uh, relationships matter. It's like I am always saying that in B2B sales, you are still dealing with people. If you don't consider that, then you can fail very easily. A hundred percent. People buy from people, so don't underestimate that. Uh, I guess the, the specific in the, in the German way of doing it, that you probably need to take it a little bit more slowly. Yeah. Let's imagine that, um, for example, a software company, uh, software development company from Ukraine would like to expand its sales to Germany. What uh, kind of roadmap uh, would you suggest? If you're really serious about international expansion, um, you will at some point in time have to be present locally. And having said that, obviously, if you want to tap into a new market, uh, um, I think it's very smart to uh, do some sort of research, looking at the competitive landscape and assuming you have a great product, um, a large potential in the market, total addressable market to TAM, with no doubt, and also given the size size of the addressable market of Germany, I would start deploying resources in the country as soon as you possibly can. You mean like um, being present there with uh, own salespeople or? Yeah, eventually, eventually at some point. If you look at the roles that uh, come into mind as uh, typically the, the ones that you would deploy first, it would be um, sales development um, and the account executive. Um, sales development will be a role that will constantly be journey uh, changing in the journey um, because there will be the ones qualifying any inbound leads that you might have at this point in time. Um, later in the journey, they eventually will change to being more proactively in outbounding to target accounts. And then you have the account executive who obviously will benefit from uh, sales development, creating leads and opportunities, but also you know, the need of an account executive, especially at this very early stage of entering a market, being someone who himself is a hunter and is himself is very familiar with, with outbounding. Um, it will be also the account executive who will sort of have to do uh, your part of the heavy lifting of reaching out to target accounts, most likely sort of the top of the pyramid accounts that you have in, in a specific country. How do you think, uh, is it possible to start this activity remotely, not being present in, in Germany? Um, you can. Um, uh, we, we, we did the same. There will probably be many reasons uh, to do so. It will actually take time to build a presence in country. Um, it will be not the easiest to find talent uh, in the country, to onboard them. So um, the, the most likely way for many, uh, depending on where they are in their maturity, would be in doing it, you know, out of their headquarters, um, out of the Ukraine, for example. But uh, as I said, no doubt about the potential of the German market. At some point in time, you may want to do it, you know, locally and be in country. So the first step is to analyze the market. Uh, the second is to start your sales and uh, digging remotely. And then the third one is to establish your local 
presence uh, and uh, probably it is better to do with local person yes and that the uh, the person already knows uh, has the network and knows the language or you can also sell with english um good point um it it really depends and 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 that's certainly something that is uh, evolving and changing probably a couple of years ago um that wasn't the the case at all where you would actually would have to speak uh german in germany uh, I would say it uh, comes down to in mid-market or the smaller accounts get. Speaking German um, remains quite important. But in the enterprise where I primarily operate, uh, you will find that they already have quite an international uh, setup or, or staff. So it has become quite common um, to, to conduct those meetings in, in English. Okay, clear. And uh, from your experience, how do you build uh, the initial sales in Germany uh, in terms of, for example, lead generation? Are there any like tips and tricks how to do that uh, in Germany? Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure if there's like uh, the, the silver bullet of doing it. Uh, it probably really depends on the, the company, on the product, on, on their sort of maturity and history. Uh, but I can tell you a few examples of uh, how uh, I encountered this in the past, and especially at, at Lean IX. We've been always a company who's been really strong in uh, creating a pipeline through marketing, on uh, creating a brand, a brand in that you know specific solution area of enterprise architects, uh, and doing that you know primarily in Germany, and then um, and then growing it from there into other uh, European countries. But uh, over time. That will probably not be enough, uh, or more certainly, I can tell you it's not enough uh, 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 when I look at how Linux is going to evolve in the future. You need to put this also on additional pillars. And if you look at uh, which are the sources, potential sources of creating pipe, then you will also probably uh, have a partner ecosystem in place or could have one in place that will provide you pipeline. Um, you could have the sales organization doing uh, a significant amount of outbounding through what I mentioned earlier, sales development or business development, the account executive. And eventually, once you grow your customer base in the country, you will also have the existing business being the fourth pillar of, of demand generation. So it's marketing, it's sales, it's partner and, ex and it's existing business. Interesting about the marketing, because in most cases, uh, and I've been working a lot with IT companies, especially with system integrators, and in all cases, uh, they told me that marketing in B2B is not uh, really needed. And you, you say that uh, in your case, in B2B and in B2B for enterprise, actually, marketing plays quite a big role. Well, it used to contribute around 70% of the pipeline. I mean, think of that. It's, it's, it's quite phenomenal. It's not necessarily something I've seen also in other companies. It's, it was really specific to, to LeanIX, but I do believe that it's still a very important uh, part. And as we evolve, that number will gradually go down as we mature in the other uh, sources of, of, of pipeline, partner, sales, and existing business. But um, even uh, looking forward a couple of years ahead, I see the contribution of our marketing organization still being at a very, very high, like sort of 40%. If you look at marketing, it's all about digital marketing. It's about campaign uh, marketing, field marketing, which is something we're more and more growing. 
Um, so having a support team or a supporting function that will support you in the country to to create webinars, to drive events, and to drive uh, prospects um, to those events. And uh, I think um, it's a very critical way um, for us in, in conducting business. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, as well as it is, you know, uh, you know, building now the muscles from the other uh, sources of the pipeline. So partner sales and existing business. And when you have this lead, yeah, so the lead is uh, generated by marketing or by the sales team. Uh, what is the next step? Is it like a cold calling or e email writing? Is it still working, the email writing? Yeah, because in most cases I hear we, we did not uh, manage to sell in Germany uh, at all. So nobody answered us. And I, I am asking, like, in what have you done? Uh, we wrote uh, like 100 emails and that's it. So, <laughs> and nobody answered. So is it is it like uh, not working scheme at all? And what should you do when you got to it? It has actually indeed become quite easy to to do mass mails nowadays or to literally send hundreds uh, of emails to, to contacts uh, of a target list. But I think what's also becoming very clear that uh, it's not about masses it's not about quantity it's more becoming um a, a game of, of quality and how you actually approach every individual customer i think if you are not on the path of personalizing your communication towards uh, the prospect whether that be through email or even through a call call then you're doing something wrong we are uh, actually doing that for quite a bit we're still uh, optimizing it um, from from a time perspective. I think we're spending a little bit too much time in personalizing and need to bring that down a little bit uh, to more in the range of uh, less than 10 minutes per account. But there needs to be some sort of uh, personalization because if you don't have that, uh, you're missing the hook uh, of why actually prospect prospects would want to hear from you and why they would actually respond to you. So... Um, it's not an email. I think an email is a, a part, an important part of a cadence that you need to put together that will eventually have seven, eight uh, measures uh, of which email is one of them. Um, but uh, uh, the call call or warm call, depending on where you are, uh, will eventually be also a very important uh, element of that. And in terms of a cold call? I know that uh, there are a lot of online tools where you can get uh, personal phone numbers of your potential clients. Is it okay to use the personal cell phone for a cold call or is it better to call to the general office number and ask to connect to the relevant person? Yeah, good question. Um, if you have the phone number, uh, I would certainly give it a shot. I don't think there's going to be much a difference once you have him on the phone. Um, but, uh, having said that, uh, you can expect that, uh, w not surprisingly, they will react quite reserved, right? Uh, even if it's an inbound lead, um, and, and, uh, and hence already has shown some sort of interest for your product, you have to remember you're still calling them unsolicited. So if you act like a sales guy, no doubt they will, will not be available. They be very defensive, uh, um, it's uh, it's a tough one with call calls, and um, that's where sales comes into play. I guess it's uh, it's our job in sales to get through those objections, uh, uh, through them being reserved, 
get through, you know, the first 30 seconds and then eventually they will open up. Um, there is a few things that uh, can help. Obviously, you need to have a solution, a product that really solves a problem. I spoke about cadences where eventually they would have received information prior to the call, call call. So it sort of becomes a warm call. If you um, have connected via LinkedIn, that will greatly help. Don't underestimate the fact that they can, you know, relate your name once you have called with a picture that uh, uh, they've seen um, through connecting with you. Um, and then it's also very much about, you know, doing your homework and, and as I said, personalizing that, that phone call. Um, it's a very specific characteristic that you might need in, in those specific roles when, when outbounding. You know, they have to have a very strong conviction of wanting to help the, the customer. The customer immediately will, will see if, oh, it's just a sales guy who's just there to, to, to cash a check. So you need to be curious to want to really uh, help the, the prospect. Okay. And you, you already mentioned that you, you are making a lot of uh, events here yeah, online and offline uh, where you uh, promote the company and uh, actually build your network. For the company that is not present in Germany but would like to get connected to this network, are there any the official or the most common places where do IT guys network in Germany? Yeah, um, there's just obviously um, let's elevate this a little bit in terms of where do companies actually get information about new products or services around B2B and and it will be uh, publications, obviously, uh, will come to events in a few uh, moments. And and then in Germany would typically be um, maybe a handful of ones that are really relevant. It would be the CIO Magazine, Computer Week, um, Heise, CDNet, um, and actually other financial publications that uh, that are in Germany, uh, like Handelsblatt and, and Wirtschaftswoche. There's also quite an, um, and it's been there for years, but the, the, the fact that there are software review sites like G2 and PeerSpot, where you as a software vendor can actually list your company and solution. And, uh, and, and we see accounts also searching through those to understand how the uh, landscape is. Plus a variety of, uh, obviously, analysts. What's paying off greatly for us is a close and strong collaboration with Gartner, Forrester, IDC, and, and and others. So it is, it is quite a good idea to get uh, into this media yeah, and, and to start building your brand awareness before you are going to some network. Yeah, yeah why, why not? Uh, uh, that, that for sure will, will, will work. Something that we're currently doing today too is going on on-demand platforms where you can see webinars, and there's one that's, uh, that we are using. It's the Bright Talk platform. Um, and it's a quite a great information platform for any company that uh, might want to hear from, from your solution. So if you sort of over time establish uh, a solid set of uh, webinars, videos on, on your solutions, it'll be a great place for them to, to find them there. Next to obviously live webinars, which we're also doing. But uh, yeah, there's countless opportunities almost nowadays conversation. Okay. And uh, how transparent uh, are Germans in, in negotiations? Yeah, um, no, the Germans are uh, quite direct. They're quite honest. Uh, that's just part of, you know, the, the value pyramids uh, 
that that they have. Um, so typically, a yes is a yes, and also a no needs to be openly communicated uh, towards you know German German counterparts. I think what Germans value quite a bit is that you're open and honest and proactively address if you see any issues, um, maybe hurdles um, or concerns along the way, and and do that early and not uh, too late in the process. They they will find that quite uh, disruptive and and uh, will not like that at all. It might come across as sometimes being aggressive or undiplomatic or crude. But uh, the Germans communicate in a very, you know, straightforward way. It's just uh, uh, how it rolls here. <laughs> I, I just remembered a joke uh, about the Germans, uh, uh, about the language. And it really reminded me about the situation that I've been meeting uh, in Germany while negotiations. So the, the joke goes about uh, the translator that is translating German speaker and the German speaker is starting the uh, speech and then uh, the translator keeps silence uh, for quite a long time. And guys are like asking the translator, why are you keeping silence? And the translator says, uh, well, I am waiting for a verb. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, 100% correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in this regard, so as the verb goes to so the, the sense of the, of the sentence, yeah, it goes at the end. I think that Germans are more like thorough thinking person. So they, they do not uh, make like quick decisions because they need to think through the whole sentence, yet to understand uh, the sense of it, and then only the, um, to answer that. So that's uh, maybe the, uh, the characteristics of the general behavior. And for those who does not speak German, uh, it's, it looks like they are not very like proactive and uh, quick in, in, in answering. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I was just thinking of uh, how that actually translates to uh, uh, my uh, sales process. And uh, you could indeed say that uh, uh, the Germans um, are very thorough when actually making decisions, uh, much more probably than in, in any other culture. And you can actually see that if you look at uh, the velocity of uh, how an opportunity progresses in the sales process. And I give you an example. Um, we at LeanIX, we have six sales stages, beginning with discovery, with presentation, with evaluation, stakeholder approval, negotiate, and then you win or lose a deal. But if you look at where exactly we spend a lot of time when trying to uh, collaborate with a with prospect, it's in the stakeholder approval part. That's where you literally need to convince the entire influence map, the, the, the buying center, on making a decision. And uh, you know, we have a six to nine months uh, sales cycle, and the majority of that uh, time is actually spent in that decision process. So, hundred percent agree. Germans wouldn't want to make a decision if they're still lacking uh, information. So that's where they're really thorough in 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 in, in doing so. And closing this question with language, uh, uh, how do you think how important uh, is uh, to have uh, marketing materials in German? From a scale of zero to ten, I would say twelve. <laughs> That's how important it is. I mean, okay, they would probably expect like uh, a top-notch uh, documentation, um, like going on a website, doing research uh, of the website, even going into the imprint is is, is super important uh, for many. 
it is making a decision as to whether uh, the vendor or the supplier uh, has that seriousness that is required in order for them to actually conduct uh, business with you. So um, building building trust, uh, obviously, I don't think we spoke about that, is super, super important. Um, and you do that through, obviously, uh, those sales tools, sales kits, uh, whether that be brochures, prospects, website, and so on. Um, 100%. I mean, that needs to be top-notch. Okay. What do you think is the biggest challenge in selling in B2B in Germany? I have uh, an example of uh, a former employee of mine. Um, his name was Patrick. And he, up until now, is one of the best account executives I have ever worked with. And um, I used to schedule calls with him before nine o'clock in the morning, because at nine o'clock, he said, hey, sorry, boss, I need to go. It's now it's not customer time. And he would literally dedicate his entire day to make sure that he would, uh, you know, um, support customers in any way possible. And I saw that with when meeting with customers, they would, you know, get back to me and say, listen, um, Patrick is doing a phenomenal job. He's very reliable, very structured. I have an, uh, a question. It um, almost never takes more than just a couple of hours for him to reply back. And, and Patrick's uh, um, attitude towards that was always, hey, I'm not going to shut down the notebook before I actually have answered to every customer email that I have uh, in my inbox. So always try to do it in a very timely manner. And now we've been talking probably about German culture for the last 30, 40 minutes, but you can see how important that is uh, to, to, to being punctual. And need to understand that the German culture is or a single focus time culture where everything is based on step by step uh, decisions, milestones, and they really like that. If you if you mess that up, uh, it's going to be difficult. Okay, I have the last blitz quiz, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, so this ruining the stereotypes about Germany. Sure, shoot. Okay, so. The first one, uh, Germans love rules. They are bureaucratic and rules-oriented. If it is written, should be done in any case. True. Germans are very punctual perfectionists. To be late is almost a crime. True. The business negotiations are very formal, including the usage of last names and titles. Most of the time, so true. Germans are unfriendly, especially to foreigners. False. There is a strict separation between work and private life. Don't call on Friday after 16. No one answers you. True. Germans are humorless. Not if you really get to know them. Uh, so I would say false. That's it. So thank you. Thank you, Chris, for an interesting conversation and uh, so many insights and experience. Uh, I think it will be very, very valuable for our listeners. Really, uh, once again, appreciate you in inviting me. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure being on this podcast. Thank you.